And our, our main question being, do what do we you... need to be baptized in order to be saved? Right. Um, or that, just what do you question? think baptism means? Because I don't think actually any of us believe it's salvation, but we still have new. I think a lot it. of people believe that you have to be baptized to be saved. I think this is a conversation having to do with like a matter of salvation. Welcome to the Conscious Christian Conversations podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Kyleen. We are two spunky Christians with diverse backgrounds and life experiences who want to encourage each other and you listening to challenge your subconscious beliefs. Each episode, the two of us will be having a conversation around a specific topic that we may or may not have different perspectives on. If you haven't already, please listen to episode one to learn what we are all about. Without further ado, here is today's episode. All right. Welcome everybody to another episode. I'm Kyleen. I'm here with my co-host Tanya as usual, but today is a very special day because we have our very first special guest. He's a little extra special because he does happen to be my brother-in-law, Aaron Mood. Welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you today. I didn't know I was your first. Thanks (laughs) for having me. Yes. Yes. Our first interview. Um, So Tanya and I wanted to talk about baptism. What do we actually think it means spiritually? Does it have anything to do with salvation? Do you have to be baptized to be saved? All of that fun stuff. And I immediately thought of you because Aaron is a Lutheran, die hard, knows what he believes, (laughs) knows the history of the church. And he has, he can not only defend what he believes and why he believes it, but, um, really is good at having these types of conversations. And because I do not come from that background, I had, I had messaged him and said, Hey, can you tell me what Lutherans believe about baptism again? And I was like, actually, you know what? Why don't you come on? Because otherwise I'm going to be trying to explain this and I don't know all the nuances and all the details. So I wanted to have him on so we could all share our different backgrounds and perspectives on it and then have a nice conversation about it. So let me introduce you really quickly. This is Aaron Mood. He's my brother-in-law. Like I said, he and my sister, Sammy own a music studio called Star City Music Studios in Miamisburg, Ohio. And they have several adorable children, probably the cutest children in the entire world that happen mm-hmm. to be my nieces and nephews. I don't know. I mean, Tanya doesn't know about that. Okay. Kids? Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so, um, anyway, we're happy to have you. So I thought what we would do is just go around the table really quickly. And in like two sentences, share what our overall perspective of baptism is our personal experience with baptism. And then we can kind of get into a discussion about, um, our deeper beliefs and why we believe that. So Tanya, why don't you just share your perspective, uh, quickly and what, uh, what your, your idea is. Okay. So I, uh, I do not believe it is a matter of salvation. I do believe it is a command from Jesus. So if we are truly following him. Um, we should be following his commands, but if you don't get baptized, do you not, do you go to hell? No, I don't believe that. I was baptized actually, was it last summer? I think it was last summer. I got baptized with my son. Um, and that was the first time I'd actually consciously made the decision to become baptized. Um, but I was, you know, dedicated or baptized as an infant, but I don't know that I believe that that counts like baptism to me is a personal choice, uh, and a declaration that you're following Jesus and you need to be making that of your own accord. So that is my, my stance. Awesome. Aaron, I'm going to go to you next because you're going to counter that with infant baptism. So go. (laughs) No, I'm going to start by agreeing that you do not, you do not have to be baptized to be saved. 
um, baptized, uh, baptism to me is God announcing a, a promise over you um, that he is going to work in your heart and, and bring you to faith. Um, so baptism is just all positive with none, with, with nothing negative about it. So, it, so, um, uh, Lutherans will baptize anybody. They'll, they'll baptize infants all the way up to, you know, hundred year old people on their deathbed. Um, because it's just a, it's a, it's a promise that God is declaring over you. So, so you, but you were baptized as an infant. I was baptized as an infant. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I can, and if you want to come back around, I can, I can kind of talk about spiritual growth and that sort of thing. I'd be happy to do that. Okay. Yeah. Were, perfect. were you rebaptized as an adult? No, nope. Okay. Nope. Just the one time. Okay. Okay. So my perspective is that it's a symbolic expression of an inward, um, confession. So you believe Jesus, uh, you come to salvation and acceptance of, uh, of that relationship first. And then baptism is a symbolic expression of, you know, uh, his death, burial and resurrect resurrection that you, um, are washed of your sins that you have been saved. And it's like a public representation of an inward, uh, belief that you've already made. Um, and then my personal experience is that I was baptized when I was like seven because all of my friends were doing it at church <laughs> and I was already saved. So technically I guess it counted, but, um, as an adult, I went through some really hard things and I, um, had a period of time when I was in my early twenties, where I really, really for a significant period of time felt like I really needed to get baptized again. Um, and that it was a very conscious expression of my choice to follow Christ. So I did get uh, rebaptized as an adult. And that was a very, very conscious decision for me. Yeah. All right. So I think, um, Tanya and I probably are going to like mostly agree. And then, um, but I have learned a lot from the perspective of, um, listening to Aaron and he run, he, I'm going to say you run. So <laughs> I like facilitate. I like facilitate. Better. He, he leads our, <laughs> uh, monthly Bible study and brings in all the church history and all the details. And we actually did, uh, <laughs> say an episode, a lesson, a class, a get together on baptism a few months ago. Um, but to me, there were so many questions. So I, I'm really curious to just have you kind of re-explain, go into the details of it, the nuances, like, why do you think, you know, you were mentioning that it's like a promise that God is going to work in you. Um, you know, why do you think that baptism for infants can be a good thing? Okay. Um, can I start with maybe some church history and yeah, then go for go it. to my personal experience? You have the floor. Sure. Take okay. it away. Um, tell me to shut up whenever you get tired of it. So, <laughs> um, so uh, the, the big problem that Luther had um, as, a, as a young man was the, the idea of assurance. Um, and he would go to his priest and the, his priests would give him sort of the standard medieval church answer, which was uh, you go to church as often as you can. You take part in the sacraments, which um, would be baptism, communion um, for the Catholic church, marriage. And you just try your best. And as long as you try your best, God will take you the rest of the way. What it comes down to is they're trying to answer this question of assurance and assurance of salvation assurance of salvation how can you be sure how can you rest in the knowledge that christ's death and resurrection is for you so lutherans will talk about sacraments they they will they will say that baptism and communion for instance are sacraments rather than other other traditions might call them ordinances rather than the focus on us doing something that 
is obedient to, to Christ because we are a Christian now, we're a follower of Jesus, rather than the obedience that comes from us, Lutherans look at it as Christ giving us, sometimes we call it the goods, giving the goods. So every Sunday, and, and Kai, you know, Kai jokes about this a lot with us because um, she, she's a member of our church. Um, she says, you guys take communion a lot. It's like, well, yeah, we do every Sunday <laughs> because every Sunday we are getting that assurance that Christ died for you. It's being announced. But let, just again. to be clear, like we, during COVID, I think we were doing um, uh, two, two uh, services a week. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then, we and I was always like, wait, yeah. well, wait, pastor takes communion both times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of communion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if there's so any just really wanted to be assured. That's all. Assurance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Extra assurance during COVID. <laughs> So when we get to baptism, they, they started looking at these passages um, and, and the two the, the two big ones that come to mind are first Peter chapter three. Um, and let, let me talk about Colossians first. So Colossians talks about you were buried uh, in baptism um, into Christ's death. OK, and then first Peter three can be a shocker, depending on the translation. Peter says baptism saves you. But then yeah, he goes I have that on, one written down, yeah. Yeah, but then he goes on to say, it's not anything that you're physically doing with the water. It's not any magic words that the person baptizing you goes over that. It's, it's the pledge of a new conscience. So it's what God is announcing that he, that he is doing in your life. So Lutherans look at that and they say, well, if it's not, if, it's, if the focus is on what God is doing for us, that promise is for everybody. And then that is why we end up that that is why we, we we come to end up baptizing everybody because that promise is for anybody of any age. Mm. Um, he wants all to come to the knowledge of Christ. He wants all to be saved. Um, so that promise is extended to um, to children as well. Now, mm. I, there's lots of arguments. You you look at the New Testament and you you look at you know repent and be baptized. Um, you look at these big. Um, uh, uh, events, these conversion events where thousands of people or hundreds of people over here are, are uh, converted. Um, and my argument there is that, yeah, there, there's, you know, Christianity was, was such a small thing at that point that it's exploding, that most of these converts are going to be adults anyways. Um, and we baptize new converts. Um, uh, we, we've done it since my time at, um, uh, at Grace here, our home church here, we, we'll baptize adult converts as well. It's not a... Um, uh for for lutherans it's not a um you must do something in a certain order you can do it in either order it's just a big old great uh announcement of god's grace mm. um now mike can so do you want to talk do you want to talk guys, about my personal experience or, or go ahead go ahead well yeah can i interrupt for a second so yeah. what you're saying is that you believe that rather than baptism being a declaration of your commitment to following christ right it's it's God's commitment to the change that He's going to make in your heart. Right, right. Now okay. it can be, um, it can be an announcement of something inward that has happened that that, that Christ is working over, and that would be uh, in the case of an adult baptism. So when we baptized, the, the sort of the typical formula, if you want, and of course this is not uh, the, the only thing that we would require is that there's water present, and that you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
that that's baptism and any okay, are you are you a sprinkle baptism or in a full immersion <laughs> baptism guy so historically the lutherans have been sprinkle but we're fine with full immersion too it's just as long as there's so water. i used to go to this church this was so interesting to me because i had never experienced this before um full immersion is typically backwards and then i went to a church for a period of time that they actually dunked you face first but three times so yeah, in the name yeah. of the father the son the holy spirit yeah. and the i was like so everybody does it so differently yeah it's like, yeah okay mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know that that matters as much as like what you think is happening. My my understanding of the history of it is um, that, yeah, there, there was typically full immersion at first, but, you know, it's a pretty arid part of the world over there. So if you don't have enough water to actually have a big old tub and dunk somebody in, mm -hmm. at least you get the water. There's that physical thing mm -hmm. um, that it is showing what's happening which i um, think tell me if i'm wrong we would all agree that that's more symbolic than actually doing anything that the water is there to demonstrate it's to be part of like a ceremonial activity but oh, sure. everything that's yeah. happening it, it yeah. externally is symbolic but everything that we believe happening is more inward and between you and god yeah one of the things that i love about um lutheran reading lutheran theology and this i'm a nerd so i read theology in my spare time but um they all after being monks and nuns um you know luther was a monk and then he married a former nun um there were other um other people around him that had taken holy orders that became priests and that sort of thing and when they when they started the reformation process they said hey you know there's nothing stopping us from being married so they all ended up raising these families and when you read their theology, it's very physical. It's very physical. And um, they talk about um, e even sort of modern um, church leaders in, in our particular um, sort of church body. Um, they'll talk about the relationship maybe between a husband and a wife or even between a, a, a father, a mother and, and children. Um, and if you imagine for a moment, if, if you only told your, your spouse one time that you love them, and then never told them again, what kind of relationship would you or would you not have? Um, what if you never hugged them? What if you never kissed them? What if, what if there was no physical affection between a, a parent and a child? There would be, there, there wouldn't be much of a relationship there. The relationship would, would not have a chance to grow. Um, so there's, there's a focus in, when we talk about sacraments in, in Lutheranism, there's a focus on a physical thing that's there that is kind of the anchor, not that it does anything special. Um, we don't care if you use wine versus grape juice. We don't care about that. We don't care if you use real, you know, uh, bread that somebody's baked. Um, there was a um, church that, you know, my wife used to play for that, that somebody would bring in the fresh bread every week that they baked, that they, they baked, and they would break it right there and eat that. We do the whole little wafer thing at Grace. Um, there, there's, there's no gluten-free uh, even <laughs> gluten-free even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have the gluten-free option and we have the wine and the grape juice option, you know, but the fact that there's something physical there, that's this anchor, that it's something that we can, that, that, that we can kind of grab onto that's, that's, that to me is what the water is. It's something physical, um, that, you know, and, and you can use the word represents if you want. Um, I think we kind of stay away from that a little bit just because, um, just because of the of the divide between Lutheran theology and what a lot of American evangelicalism believes. So. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because that's uh, something that I heard um, in a commentary that that the baptism of water was something that was pros proscribed by 
God as a way to physically experience what's happening spiritually, mm -hmm. since we can't physically experience the spiritual. And, um, and so this was an argument for full immersion and we can, you know, kind of talk about the Greek and the original word did mean mm -hmm. like full immersion. So he, he, his argument was saying, you know, essentially the same thing that, you know, you're fully immersed and just the feeling of, of being dunked and then coming out and mm -hmm. just having the water streaming off of you is, is that physical representation of just, you know, the death and then the resurrection that you, that well, you even like the, you, the you baptized, even like the visualization of like washing away your old self mm -hmm. yeah, and like right. emerging with the new, um, the new identity that you're claiming to be like within Christ. I think that's like super symbolic. So yeah. I, I would probably lean more towards that as well. If like, and I'm all on board with that. If yeah. you, if you want to dunk, dunk, um, yeah, I'm all on board with that. <laughs> so, um, you specifically were bringing up, um, some passages that I had written down. So I'm just going to go back to it. Um, first Peter three 21, I'll just read it really quickly for everybody. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. So that's like the sentence that trips people up. Right. But we sort of all, like, we all agree that salvation is by belief, not by baptism. Um, not the mm -hmm. removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what I found interesting was when you were kind of using that as, um, evidence of, um, uh, God's work in us. When I read that as a pledge of a clear conscience towards God, I read that as, um, you know, this is my example, uh, uh, my statement of, I have a clear conscience, um, before you not, how do I explain this? Yes. Like he's doing the work inside of me, but like, this is a physical demonstration of like, I understand what I'm doing. And like, I'm, I'm saying this to the world and it's towards God, like my statement towards God, but also to the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, um, uh, sorry, Tanya, did you, did you want to say something? I no, I was okay. just going to, um, just share a different, uh, different passage that kind of supported that, but go ahead. Um, I, my, my, question would be who's who's doing the pledging because um and i understand the pledge towards mm -hmm. god mm -hmm. but it's it's christ and his redemptive work that that god is seeing when he looks at us mm -hmm. so the only way i can stand at stand in front of god and say that i have this clean conscience now is because of what christ has done for me mm. So to me, even though it's, I'm, you know, I, I'm pointing towards God there. Mm -hmm. It's because God is seeing, he's looking at that and saying, yep, all I see now is Christ. All I see. Then now if is you're Christ. using that, that argument, then that would almost be an argument saying that if I don't get baptized, then there is no promise from God, which makes it sound like it's potentially a matter of salvation. Sure. Sure. Um, it's. Where salvation comes from is hearing the message of Christ and, and the faith that results from that. So that can come from something as simple as you hearing the preached word, as you, as you reading the, the Bible and the realization that, you know, oh my goodness, yes, this is, this is me. This is what I believe, you know, um, this, this is what Christ has done for me. Um, the baptism I, and I don't think anybody would hesitate, you know, as an, as an adult convert, you're not going to hesitate to say, I want to be baptized. Um, mm -hmm. Baptism is, and I guess you could describe it as a, as a both and, or as, or as an also and. 
it is just one of the of the many paths that Christ assures us of that of that redemptive work in Christ that's done for you. I can absolutely understand your concern, and a lot of um, uh, a lot of traditions go there. Um, there are um, uh, both Protestant and um, and Catholic. I mean, if if you if you look at Catholic doctrine, if you're an unbaptized um, person, there's some exceptions, but generally, if you're an unbaptized baby, then you're going to um, uh, purgatory. Uh, purgatory thank purgatory. you purgatory. yeah so um you know that that's just well that's it if you if you didn't if you didn't make it to baptism that's where you're going for a while um there are there are protestant traditions that that only baptize adults um or those capable of making confession that say if you don't get baptized you're not going to heaven so yeah i think you can i think you can go down that path and i think it's wrong to do so i absolutely mm-hmm. I agree with you it's absolutely wrong to do so so I think um, something I really kind of want to dig into is um, what you believe is actually happening during baptism, because I think this is where it gets a little confusing when you talk about babies versus adults and um, where a lot of people go like, wait, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Because if a baby doesn't get baptized or like even an adult, like if they don't get baptized, right? So like, and and this is a point that we kind of got hung up on um, when we were talking about this in our get together a couple months ago is like, okay, so what is God actually doing? And is he not doing that? And is the Holy Spirit not working in you if you're not baptized? Which we're like, no, well, like he's still working. So, okay. So the actual promise, the actual like activity that God is doing and engaging in upon our acceptance of baptism or as a baby, just like your parents are doing it for you. Like, what do you think God's role actually is in that moment? In that moment? He is declaring a promise over that individual. Now, it can be absolutely different depending on the circumstances of that person. So if you're talking about an infant who can't express faith, mm-hmm. there's a promise that, no, this infant is worthy and a child of God as well. And he, the Holy Spirit is going to work in that child's heart to bring them to faith. And this is so essentially I, like based on the parent's belief and their promise to raise the child in faith. You're saying that because the, they would then ba- baptize the baby that God's like, okay, I'll work on them. Like the Holy Spirit will work on them towards salvation. Yeah. yeah the Holy Spirit is going to work on that child towards salvation. Yeah. So, so what's the difference between a child baptism and a dedication then in your opinion? That was another question I had. Yeah. To be honest, I don't, I don't see evidence in the new Testament of a dedication. I see more evidence for the, the use of baptism on uh, individuals of all ages. So are you, Even because what, because what, what is, go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, are you arguing that a dedication is the same as a baptism? Cause essentially all of the same elements are there. The, the water is usually there. The promise is there. The, the declaration is there. Are, what, in what, are looking in what form the is the water there during a dedication? Okay. So, so I'll just, uh, I'll share my experience. Um, when I was baptized, I was baptized with my son, he's eight. Um, and well, actually he was seven at the time, but you know, we made the conscious decision, like he was prepared and he knew what that meant. Um, and then at the same time, I had my five-year-old daughter dedicated because Mm -hmm. our church doesn't do baptisms in children who aren't fully aware of the decision that's being made with that. Mm -hmm. And, but 
every single element was still there. She, she was in the water with us. She was dedicated. You know, we stood by and we, we promised her to raise her in the Mm -hmm. church and, you know, knowing the Lord. And, um, so, I mean, all of the elements in that situation were there, but it wasn't a full immersion baptism. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, she was just in the water. Yeah. Yeah. So your take on that, like, is that the same thing? Are you considering that the same, despite the fact that she wasn't actually fully immersed? Well, that, um, I mean, I, I don't think full immersion is a, re- is an absolute requirement for baptism. Right. Yeah. You um, said that. It, yeah. it, so in my understanding, it almost sounds like a baptism to me. In, okay. in my, in my experience, baby dedications have been more of just that the parents bring them forward for a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that there's no font or, um, or, you know, sort of, um, hole or anything uh to to get in or baptistry to get into mm-hmm. um so i to be honest i've not encountered a, a dedication that was quite like that because you had about you had two baptisms going on at the same time mm-hmm. uh, it comes down to um i think it comes down to our understanding of decision too and i and and i think kai you were surprised about this when we talked about um sort of calvinist understanding versus um uh, Arminian understanding. So Calvinists over here say you've got there, there's you've got no choice. You're either elect or you're not. God, God's going to save you or not. And then the um, the Arminians say you know it's a totally free choice that you make um, at some point in your life. Lutherans are in this weird middle. So Lutherans will say um, by the time you are able to confess that Christ is your savior. Like the it's, age of accountability, sort of the Catholics believe in. Yeah, or or the, or at any moment, you know, uh, it, it could be it, you could consider it an age of accountability where where um, y- you know mentally you're able to communicate that, mm-hmm. or you could be someone who as as an adult came to faith, mm-hmm. um, and Lutherans will say at that point the only reason you're there is because God brought you there. He created that saving faith in you. Mm-hmm. Now at that point you've got the freedom to reject it. But oddly enough, you don't have the freedom to accept it because you're because you're so dead in sin and you're such a slave to sin that the only way out of there is to is for Christ to regenerate you. And I fully admit that that's weird. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna say, use more I words. Full- to, uh, go go into that a little bit more. Say, <laughs> yeah, say it again. Yeah, say it again. Yeah. Quite getting. So I will say, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go. I will say, I I do not have a conversion experience where I was reading, you know, John 3, 16 one day, and I just felt convicted. And right. that's when I decided to do that's what you're talking about. Part. Yeah, the lack of a conversion experience is like, right. in the Lutheran faith, that's like normal, you just right. sort of like, believe and there's no magic. It can, it can be, time. it can be normal, it can be. Um, but but we, we have lots of people that come as adult converts that do have some sort of experience where they say, my God, this is what I believe, you know, yeah. Um, so it, it can it can be either way or somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, what happens in the Lutheran Church if you're baptized as a baby, you're brought up, you're raised in in the church, you're raised um, having the gospel preached to you, you're instructed, um, and then and this this varies quite a bit. It can be as young as around eight, you know. And there's all kind of um, you know individual. Um, exceptions with individual children's maturity level and that sort of thing. But at some point you start to um, instruct them and and you look for a public, you look for when they're ready to make sort of a public um, profession of that faith um, that we say was planted in them by, by God. Um, and then 
you look for those fruits of, of faith. So you look for um, sort of the same thing that other traditions would look for before they baptize uh, a, a, a child. Um, you're looking for the evidence that that faith has taken root. And now, now you see some of those fruits of faith. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, that's kind of what happened. I, you know, I went to, I went through Sunday school, um, as a child. And then as a certain age, um, what was ever sort of standard for our church at the time, I think it was maybe when I entered sixth grade, we went through a period of, of catechism, um, of multi-year instruction in, um, uh, it was deeper than, you know, deeper than Sunday school. Um, so it, we were talking about doctrine. We were talking about sort of, um, sort of, uh, first principles of Christianity, um, and then at the end of that, I um, I made a public confession of faith, and at, at that point, I was um, I was welcomed into sort of the adult life of the church, so including voting and that sort of thing, and and serving on different things that only adults would you know only adults would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot I've, you know I've said before, maybe said this earlier, I cannot look back on a single um, uh, conversion experience. Yeah, um, I think the difference. Um, in how I would respond to, you know, how do I know that I'm saved versus um, somebody who's had that conversion experience is um, they, they're probably going to point to that particular experience that they had on a, at a certain date and time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to point the, to the fact that every time I crack open my Bible or every time I um, hear uh, the, the absolution in church that, that, that I'm forgiven on account of Christ, um, that's how I know. That's mm-hmm. how I know because it's for me and it's preached to me constantly um, every time I read or, or hear the word. So mm-hmm. for me, the assurance is an external thing. It's God breaking through and it's saying, I'm telling you on a, mm-hmm. on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day, um, I've got you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, criticize or negate anybody's conversion experience. But I think there are certain times that we've all gone through in life where there's a certain amount of apathy that that creeps in. Um, I went through a period of that time when after about a year, um, you know, we we'd moved from North Carolina back to Sammy's hometown here and things were just tough because we were starting a new business. We were um, starting a, a, a family. Um, and it just seemed like things were dead end for a while. You know, the studio was not growing how we wanted. Um, I was um, at a job that I thought was going to be able to be expanded. And then, of course, they went into financial crisis and all this stuff. But um, suffice it to say, there, you know, there's there are these times where it's like, what is, go- you know, what is going on in my life? Um, I, I don't have that warm, fuzzy feeling that I do, you know, on on most Sundays when I'm in church or, or you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think I, I think you can, I think you can get into a situation where if you don't feel that same feeling that you had during that initial conversion experience, that can be, that can be a real moment for doubt and a real moment Mm -hmm. for despair. Mm -hmm. And for me, because that assurance is external, it does not matter how crummy of a day I'm having or, or how crummy of a season of life I'm going through, you know, God is unchanging. He's, 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 he's there and he's saying, no, I can't. Um, you know, if we if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because he can't he can't deny himself. He can't deny himself. So it's, it's so for me, the externality of it is a great comfort. I would agree with um, most of that. I think the question that uh, I think that's coming up for me when you're talking is um, going back to what's actually happening in baptism and the idea of 
it fulfilling a promise that was, um, or sorry, you're, you're saying God is, uh, giving a promise upon baptism that then if you're, if you were baptized as an infant, that then is fulfilled when you come to the age that you profess that belief. Right. So I, would, I might go even a little further, but yeah, continue. Okay. So, but my, my question within that line of thinking is, um, the Holy spirit is what God has left on earth for us after Jesus was physically present and we're gifted it upon salvation. However, the Holy spirit is uh, working around the clock around the world around, you know, in other people sure. prompting them to salvation. Right. So with the idea of baptism being God's promise to kind of work on the child, I still feel like that's almost really symbolic because he's doing that to people who don't get baptized as children. Right. So like, if you're not born into the church, you're not born into a family who does infant baptism. That's almost like saying like the Holy spirit, isn't going to work on you towards salvation. And, and, and that's not true. Sure. So th then you're getting into the question of election, right? Because yeah. we know. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's going to be like its own. Topic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. I know, oh, sure. Like, that's, that's what I'm saying is like, because yeah. that then would, that would, that then would feel very much like, well, if I'm not born into the right church in the right time, like I'm doomed. Right. And I don't think that that's what you're saying. Right. That's not what I'm saying at all. No. So we know that some are going to be saved and some are not. And, um, you know, people can take those middle chapters of Romans and they can go way too far. I think, um, and even, even uh, in, in Calvinist circles, um, there's an argument over double predestination. So, so if there are, if there's the elect, does that mean that there are the damned that Christ from eternity has said, no, you're not, um, you're not saved. And I think that's way too much theological navel gazing. It's not for us to, to know. Um, but that's not consistent with Jesus anyway. Like there's right, no way right. he's excluding anybody. So right. I hundred percent right. disagree right. with that. Um, yeah. And you get into, you know, did he die for the whole world? Yes. Who's going to realize, mm -hmm. who's going to realize that salvation? It It's the elect. It's those that are, that are saved. Um, the, the, to your point, Kai, about those who did not grow up and were not baptized as, as a baby, God is going to work how he works and the Holy Spirit is going to work in, in, in those that, that he's going to work in. And there's going to be lots of people who are not baptized as infants um, who, who are going to be saved. There are those who were baptized as infants who down the road, and, and this is, this is where a lot of, a lot of people um, look at, at Lutheran theology and say that it's totally flipped because again, I'll say that my saving faith had nothing to do with me, with me making a decision for Christ. It was grown in me by the Holy Spirit and I came to realize it. But I now have the freedom because I'm a regenerated person, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'd have the freedom to to reject it at some point. I think it'd be really, really hard. And I, I don't know, you know, um, I, I don't know what I would, um, I, I don't know what sort of uh, process I could even go through to, to reject that. Um, but there are there are individuals who are baptized as children that that are are not going to be Christian. Are not so you're Christian. saying you, you're saying you think you can uh, lose your salvation, or you're saying even though you're baptized, you have the ability to reject the Holy Spirit working in you. Um, you have the ability to you have the ability to reject. Mm. So you don't yeah. believe in loss of salvation once you have accepted. <sighs> <laughs> That 
I, that well, also is another topic. On, it this, I was going to say, your, this is another conversation. Yeah. It depends on your definition because now we're talking temporally, right? So we're talking about somebody. We, we can't look at, we can't look at a person's soul. Right. So all we can look at are what we, you know, consider the, the fruits of faith and we look for external evidence. Mm-hmm. You have somebody who is, who is um, a regularly involved in the church, professed faith, faith regularly, um, uh, did what we would call good works um, and for a period of time. And then that just at some point it stops and we might be able to point to a reason like there's a very tragic death in the family and it shook that faith or whatever. And, and, and that just stops. And, you know, at some point that person dies and, and we look at it and we say, I have no idea. I have no idea what was going on in that person's heart. Um, we're looking at that over a finite amount of time, right? We're looking at that over a person's life. God looks at that person's heart. And, you know, my question would be if that person, if a person dies and is not saved, does that mean that they were never saved and maybe for a time we we thought they were mm-hmm. um and and they really weren't because once yeah. saved always saved um or too or many nuances somebody, for us yeah yeah to, i think really I think basically make a decision yeah i think it's us uh, us finite people um trying to figure something out that we're not going to figure out this side of the grave <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so. yeah right yeah so i think okay so wrapping up the conversation on baptism though well, I don't want to wrap anything up just yet because I feel like we're missing like a major piece, oh, which okay, is okay. the Holy Spirit, right? We haven't really talked about, like, we've been talking about water baptism and the sim- symbolism, mm-hmm. but like, I think there's something really to be said that we're truly baptized in the Holy Spirit and the water mm-hmm. is the the symbolic piece of that. And I don't feel like we've really touched on that mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Yeah. So my understanding, I'm like, to me, the way I, I view it is that, um, that happens the instant of belief. So whether, whether Mm -hmm. you're going by Aaron's definition of like, that just sort of gradually happens over time, but you know, the God, God would know like the moment you actually accept it, right? right? Like he would, he would know what that is, or you have a conversion experience and you know, the moment that that happened, I I believe that basically once you've accepted it, like that is the quote unquote baptism of the Holy spirit. You're given the gifts of the Holy spirit. Um, and that is the point of salvation. Right. Mm-hmm. Right there. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then we can always profess that, that moment of conversion through the water baptism through that Is would that- be my understanding of it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I believe as well. So I think for an adult convert. So if somebody showed up at, at Grace's doorstep and, um, was, was not admittedly not a Christian, um, you know, maybe they just showed up cause they were curious and, and they started attending church and, and, maybe joined a Bible study or something. And then they said, you know what? I, I believe this stuff. Um, and then we say, okay, great. Let's, we're going to baptize you. Let's, let's pick a date and do this and have a big party. Um, at that point, I would say, yes, the Holy spirit has already baptized that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, the, the, the water and it's twofold there. So it is in, in that case. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's symbolically of what has happened. Um, and yet again, it's one of those external things, um, that, that somebody can look at. It's, it's a physical thing again, that, 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 that adult can look at and then say, look at all these great passages in the Bible. that's talking about this. This is, you know, God's got me. He's got me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I've got assurance mm-hmm. coming back to the, to the infant baptism. Um, again, because, you know, I, I look at, at faith being formed by the Holy spirit. 
and a recognition of that um, rather than an acceptance, but a recognition that that has happened in, in me um, as, as being more of a realization rather than accepting or rejecting Christ in that moment. I have no idea at what age a kid could do that. My kids are in a uh, children's choir now. Okay, they're, they're singing on Sunday mornings um, all these um, different hymns and songs. They, they're singing them in the van during the week. Um, they're running around the house singing them. They're um, reading Bible stories. Um, they're asking questions about theology that sometimes blow me away. <laughs> that, that yeah, your, your kids this. are kind of brilliant. Yeah, um, pretty smart. And I have no idea. I mean, my, uh, our third child is just turned four. And he he expresses what I would say are statements of faith. He 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 talks about Jesus. He answers questions in the children's sermon. Um, he he knows to a certain extent why we go to church um, to to hear that proclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a lot younger than than what an age of accountability would be in in a lot of traditions. Sure. So to me, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's a mystery when that happens. It's a mystery when that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Holy Spirit's going to do it when he does it. Right. <laughs> so. I mean, I, I, I think we all agree on that though. And that's just like the yeah. different, the, we don't know the moment unless you have that conversion moment and not everybody has that. And I think we would all right. agree that that's like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only difference would be is like, if you think that that is somehow imparted upon baptism and not separately upon belief. So at the, you're saying at that exact moment, Mm -hmm. I'm saying, I don't, I don't know. Mm. There are, there are, uh, I'm saying because we can't know. Yeah. Um, All I know is, is the, is the promise that we are, we're buried into Christ's death through baptism and that we are, we are brought to new life through the Holy Spirit working in us. Mm -hmm. When I read those passages, um, they they don't sound separate to me they they sound like they're that the baptism by the holy spirit and the external physical baptism that happened are are linked um that doesn't mean that they have to be linked as i mentioned before see, then, a, then i would counter that with when do you get the gifts of the holy spirit because you're not going to be getting the gifts of the holy spirit until you are consciously a believer that can utilize them for if, okay God, define those right? define those gifts define those gifts well, okay. I don't have a list memorized, but it's like teaching and preaching and, um, what, I don't know. I don't have them off the top of my head, but that like, we have the whole list of like what right. the gifts are like prophecy and healing and, um, you know, all of those, uh, all of those gifts. Right. So, um, like how he's going, how basically the Holy spirit is going to manifest himself in your life as a believer right. is a little so, bit different than just him working in your life right. for salvation. Right. Let me give you Evie is an example. Okay. And I've used this example a lot. So um, just to, just to give a little background um, at the beginning of every service um, on Sunday morning, we have what we call a corporate confession of sins. And it's just, it's a public acknowledgement that we are all fallen individuals and that we have no hope of saving ourselves. And then our pastor or whoever may be, um, you know, uh, leading that day Mm -hmm. um, gets up in front of us and says, in the name of Christ, I forgive you your sins. And mm-hmm. a lot of people get uncomfortable with this because they feel like it's it's somebody saying something that only 
Christ can ultimately do. And, and some people uh, incorrectly believe that, you know, we're not forgiven until we hear that from an actual pastor who's been called. It's none of that. It's none of that. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, we're, you know, we're called to forgive each other in our life. Um, so I, th- I think that that absolution on a more regular basis happens between family members because it just, you know, um, that's just nature. Who, who are you going to sin against the most is your own family because you're stuck in the same house. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, two years yeah. ago, or a um, year and a half ago, when when our when child, when baby number four was coming along, um, I was really stressed out because, you know, Sammy was feeling not well and she was trying to take care of some stuff at the studio. And I was at home trying to get 17 things done on the to do list before family members came in. And I was trying to get the kids to finish up a certain amount of schooling because I knew we weren't gonna do any homeschool for like a week or so when the baby came. And the kids were just, they, they could just feel the excitement, they could feel the tension and they were just like climbing up the walls, you know? And I just, I just lost it on them. And I've, I've used this uh, example because it's probably like just the worst one, but just screaming and yelling at them and they're sitting on the couch, you know, and they're all upset. And, and um, I talked to Sammy that night and I said, it was just a mess. I said, I, I, I just feel so sorry that I did that. And I said, I, we just got to, we got to start over tomorrow. So the next day we get up and I brought the kids over and I said, kids, I've, I've got to apologize and just tell you I was wrong yesterday. Um, you know, we're, we're just, we're stressed out because the baby's coming, but we're excited too. And none of that excuses what I did. And I barely got finished apologizing. And Evie, who was six at the time, yeah, she was six. She says, that's okay, dad. I forgive you. It's okay. If that's not a gift of the spirit, because she, she was teaching me in that moment. She was teaching me in that moment what absolution was. Um, so I, I, I think, I think we can look for a broader definition of what spiritual gifts are. Mm. Um, aren't they, aren't they, are they teaching the faith faith when they're singing a song in children's choir? If they're going to get up in front of the church and sing that? Well, see, my, teaching the faith? yes, but like my, my counter to that would be, um, that she has already been, she's already a believer. We don't know the moment okay. or the time, but my, right. my counter to that. Yeah. Right. She, right. Yeah. But yeah. my, but what I'm saying is separating that from actual baptism. She hasn't been baptized. No, no. Yeah. And that's, so that's what other... I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying is gifts of the Holy spirit comes upon belief, not upon baptism. She will be soon, by the way, mm-hmm. Kai. We gotta talk oh, to okay. It's coming. All right. <laughs> get the camera out. Get ready. Oh, there's gonna but be there, video. but there again, crying. but there again, that comes back to the point that we all agree on that baptism is not a requirement for salvation. Right. And I will yeah, absolutely right. go to the mat on that because that's nothing more than works righteousness, because then you're then you're saying that there's this yep. physical, uh, you know, voodoo that we have to do mm-hmm. um, or, or God's going to reject us. And I, I, right. you know, I totally reject that that understanding of it. Um, yeah. yeah. I think and I think and I think a perfect example of that is the the thief who died on the cross next to Jesus. Right. He yeah. professed oh, yeah. faith, faith at the very, very last. And absolutely. he said, you know, Jesus is like, good, you're going to be sitting next to me on the, you know, on the right, right side, of, right hand side of God or, or yeah. you know, I don't yeah. know the yeah. quote, but and well, what's interesting there too, what's interesting well there too is um, Christ has not, he didn't institute baptism yet there. So there was John's baptism. Right. But then, by water, which was very clearly by water. Right. Yeah. But then um, well, the, the command. No, that that did come after his resurrection, didn't it? That it comes right before the ascension. Yeah. 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 And there right. there is at least one passage where somebody had um, already received John's baptism and they rebaptized him mm. uh, in Acts somewhere. They rebaptized mm. him. 
Um, so because of the no, Holy but Spirit. I, I agree. Oh, so, you're, so you're arguing for the like because because of the Holy Spirit was not on, on earth. You're saying because right. after yeah, Jesus yeah. he right. gave the Holy Spirit, that guy was rebaptized specifically associated like with the reality that the Holy Spirit was being given to people right, now. Right. I, okay. I'm just saying that's a yeah, if you if you look at the thief on the cross, and I, I agree with you, Tanya. I think that's I I think that's an excellent example of you do not have to be baptized to, you know, make it in, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, at the same time, the, the, the commandment to go and baptize all nations came, came after that. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But there, and there's also, um, just a couple of passages that I found to support that. Cause I know that that's a big sticking point for a lot of people. Uh, Mark 16, 16 says that, um, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So it doesn't mention anything about not being baptized, you'll be condemned mm -hmm. strictly that if you believe. So there is that call to baptize, but it's not that you'll be condemned if you don't. And mm -hmm. then I think the biggest one, though, is Titus 3.5. Um, he saved us not because of works done by us, i.e., a physical baptism in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing and regeneration of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I think those, you know, are just really good for people to kind of, kind of think on if they feel like they baptism is a matter of salvation. There's very clearly multiple passages that show that that's actually not the case and that the true baptism is of the Holy Spirit. And that's, what's essential in order for salvation to occur. There's, to, oh me, my there's, gosh, no but, so there's, to me, there's no downside of baptism. There's, there's yeah. no downside right. of it. it, it it's I just had all... a thought good stuff. I just had a For thought sure. that's going to be, um, totally not answered and derailed, but, um, it's going to be totally heretical to you, Aaron, is that what if we've been misunderstanding baptism this whole time and it was water before Jesus and it's the Holy spirit after Jesus. And we don't need the water after Jesus. Like, well, what, like I mean, what if I salvation think, is I the baptism? Like after the whole, you know what I mean? I, well, I, no, but because he, they, they weren't, they were, they had to do baptism as the ritual cleansing, but that wasn't say like, you know, pre-Jesus, there was still no salvation. It, they're, they're I mean, they were baptizing people purgatory. after Jesus. It's all in the new Testament. So like, I guess the examples that we have are, after I, I would agree that John's baptism is different. Now I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself with, with where the command from Jesus comes to baptize all nations, but there there's um, a passage in John, um, when they're talking about John the Baptist being arrested and beheaded, mm -hmm. um, where they talk about, um, uh, it's, it's, it's odd how it's written. It says at first that Jesus was baptizing more people than John. And then in parentheses, it says, but Jesus himself did not baptize anyone. It was Jesus disciples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, um, you know, that's speculation there. Obviously, they'd be using water in that situation because yeah, yeah, they're yeah. baptizing in a similar way than John. Um, but um, are you going to call that the same thing? Uh, you know, I'm sure the disciples were baptized um, while they were helping Jesus in his earthly ministry. Mm -hmm. And of course, he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit at a different time. Mm -hmm. Um but there again, a lot of things were different when he was walking around with us. So yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like he was just like training them. Like, this is how you should be doing baptism. Let, let me oversee, make sure you're doing it correctly for when I'm not here anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I feel like that was just more of a training exercise for them as opposed to, you know, any, any big mission. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think to kind of sum it all up, we actually all agree on two points that if you believe in Jesus, baptism is a I guess you would consider it a commandment, but we are all told to um, be baptized. And so, you know, you have the responsibility at some point as a believer to get that done. And, um, you know, if you're not on your deathbed and um, the other piece that we all agree on is that salvation is um, by faith and it has nothing to do with uh, the actual act of baptism itself. So I think those like, while we disagree through with it. yeah. Yeah. So while we disagree on a lot of like the nuances and maybe like the magical spiritual, aspect of what happens when we get baptized or not, um, or the just sheer symbolism, we all agree that it is something that we should do. And I think it is also important, like when you do it, that you know what you believe, um, you know, whatever end of the spectrum you fall on so that it is, it is a deeply personal experience for you and Mm -hmm. that it is a reflection of what it is that you believe. So that, that I think is, because I think conversely, you could also argue that someone who doesn't believe in that and truly doesn't, but is going through the motions just because it's something that's expected because yep. whatever they're a member of a church or something, but they don't truly believe like they can be baptized and that's not going to save them. Like they have to have that, that faith, that belief that Jesus yeah. Christ died for them and, and the repentance of their sins. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. Yeah. Did you have one last thing to say, Aaron? Oh, I didn't know if I was going to throw a bomb in there or not, but I, I would just to take your example, John, you have somebody who is just doing it to go through the motions because yep. it was you know time to do it or whatever. If they um, if they look on that years later and they say, you know, yeah, I do believe this stuff. Um, is my baptism valid? Mm. The, the Lutheran response, my response would be to, yep, it is, it is because mm. it did it, and um, you, you know, the Holy Spirit worked in your heart at some point, and mm-hmm. there you are, you're a believer now. Yeah, I think I think in that case, it would just be the conviction of whatever the Holy Spirit is convicting you. If you feel like you need to go get baptized again, because you didn't really feel like you did it right the first time, <laughs> like if that's something that you're being convicted on, just go do it. Yeah, like, I, I would I would argue, though, I, I, I would argue, though, that that if I was talking to somebody that was in that situation, I would stress that it, it's not you don't have to worry about what you did, if it was right or not. Mm. You, have, right. you just have to look that that. That God on your has, side, yeah, God has made that promise to you. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. he's going to take care of it and you got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just as a and reminder again, to everybody listening. It's not a matter of salvation. It doesn't yeah. really matter, right? Yeah. So we're not, yeah, we're not teaching. We're not preaching. We're just talking and we all agree on the big points. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. We're all going to the same place. We're all going so. to the same place. Yeah. All right. All going to the same place. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Tanya. It was a good conversation. I appreciate your perspective. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming, Aaron. And uh, next week, Kylene, I believe we're talking about predetermination, predestination versus uh, free will. Yeah, it's good stuff. Aaron, you want to come back? (laughs) I can come back if you want. (laughs) All right, all right. Sounds good. (laughs) Deep stuff. It's going to be exciting. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our mission on this podcast is to probe topics within the Christian faith to ensure that what we believe is in alignment with scripture and that we understand why we believe what we do. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to leave a five-star review and share it with a friend. Did this topic challenge your belief? Did we give you a new perspective? Or did it solidify what you already knew to be true? Leave us a comment and tell us your thoughts. We can't wait to hear from you. 